My wife and I have been married for over 24 years. Um, and with a lot of marriages, uh, there are a lot of ups and downs. And um, I think we, we, we suffered through more than most. We were working through an amicable end to our marriage um, for four months. On the 23rd of April, my wife, Janair, was actually supposed to meet me for dinner um, because we were still having those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? We were still taking walks in, in the state park with our dog. We had, we had just had done prior to that, um, 24 hours before. And so never could I have expected um, what happened, according to the police. And what everyone suspects is the minute Meredith walked into the house, um, Janair was laying in wait around the corner and um, she didn't even see it coming, so she died instantly. And then um, moments later, she shot herself. One of the things with the book especially, you know, people are gonna say he's doing this for, for fame and fortune. There's, there's no intent to make any money on this book. If there's proceeds from the book, it is all going to be directed toward, you know, suicide prevention, um, an organization. So, like I've said, my story um, can help others. I'll continue to share it. And, and certainly the lessons that I've learned around mental health especially. You've got to take care of the people that we love, but more importantly, the people that we hurt and see that they're okay. And um, if there's one lesson learned in this whole thing, I think that would be it. This week on American Real, we welcome Mark Gerardo, whose life took a tragic turn one day last April. For the first time, you'll hear Mark's story in his words about that fateful day. Thanks for joining today, and if you or anyone you know is in need of a mental health professional, please call the number below. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Mark Gerardo, who's here to tell us about a life-changing event that occurred last spring, uh, which has greatly impacted the lives of many. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, last April, um, two lives were taken, and the lives of 
the, their loved ones were destroyed. Um, you say that there are many who don't want you to share your story, um, but it's important to to tell it. And uh, after more than a year now, you, you feel compelled to do so. Um, please tell us why. Why is now the time? Yeah, well, like for more than a year, I've, I've been silent about it and kind of holding um, what I've been going through and um, what I've learned inside. And I just think there's there's so much to share and, and to learn. And I think to sweep it under the rug as if, as if it didn't happen um, is a mistake. And I know it's a very sensitive topic and people don't want to hear about it. A lot, some people don't want to hear about it again. Um, but again, I think there's just so much to know. I think there's also so much information, misinformation, I should say, when it originally hit the news and, and never anybody could have ever imagined it was going to go around the world um, the way that it did. And unfortunately, um, there was a lot of misinformation because it came out very early, uh, really 24 hours after it, the, the tragedy. And unfortunately, by the time it went around the world, it was kind of too late to, to stop it. So I think there's a number of news stories still out there. And if you search for them, their name, um, my name, it, it, it's, it's still out there. So partly I'm doing this um, to kind of straighten out the story. But also, again, I think there's just so much to learn. Um, you name it, everything, everything from gun control to mental illness. There's just pick a topic and there's so much to talk about related to this case. Yeah. And... You know, just starting out here for those viewers who are just, you know, tuning in, I just want them to know that one of our missions here is to raise the level of, of global consciousness about important subjects. Sure. And, um, and it's important to know that we're, we're thoughtful about that. We're not, we're not out to hurt anyone. Correct. We're not no out more. to do any of that. So uh, it, it, for us, it's important for you to be able to share your story in this to be able to express the things that are important to you sure and for us to you know sit back listen but maybe ask some of those tough questions that people may be thinking mm -hmm. and that's what we're going to do today we're going to okay. have a conversation Great. and um, it's going to be very thoughtful good try to bring some light to these some of these subjects that's right so let's start uh, let's take it back to 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 that tragic day uh, April 23rd of, of last year, right? Yeah. Well, a little background, too, I think, on it, too, will help set it up. My um, my wife and I have been married for over 24 years. Um, and with a lot of marriages, uh, there are a lot of ups and downs. And um, I think we, we we suffered through more than most. Um, and we had just moved to the area, to, uh, to Delaware. Um, and I, I moved up ahead of her. And... Um, well, I, I, I met someone and I fell in love with someone um, unexpectedly. We both didn't expect it, and we didn't know what we were going to do. It just it just took us both by surprise. So we kept it completely under wraps until we each of us decided how we were going to handle the situation. Um, but unfortunately, I it was hard to hide. And my wife began to suspect that there might be something going on, and and, and unfortunately, I I denied everything um, and for four months um, you know eventually I came out let her know um, and you know it, there was a mixed reaction she was certainly hurt and, and it was an emotional reaction but at the same time we were working through an amicable 
end to our marriage um, for four months. And so when I, on the 23rd of April, my wife, Janair, was actually supposed to meet me for dinner um, because we were still having those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? We were still taking walks in, in the state park with our dog. We had, we had just had done prior to that, uh, 24 hours before. And so never could I have expected um, what happened. Um, she didn't show up at the restaurant and we had some exchange of, of texts um, that got pretty touchy and I suspected something was up. I wasn't sure what, but, um, and then I started texting Meredith, the woman who I had um, been seeing and she wasn't answering either. Um, and so I rushed over to the house and without too many details, I, I discovered them both um, and um, immediately got the neighbor involved and they called the police and um, it became um, the moment of shock that I'm still living through. So, yeah. And uh, I, I read a lot online. Um, and as you said earlier, you know, there's, there, there is a lot out there. So um, the story came out quickly. But one of my initial thoughts, and, and I'm sure it's, you know, going back, it's, it's always easy to kind of second guess yourself. But did you think of calling the police first? No, there, there, was, there was no imminent danger that I suspected at all. I, I really didn't suspect anything. The last thing my wife said was goodbye, and I thought that means she's done. I'm out of here, I'm leaving. And I went over there to, because Meredith wasn't responding to me, and I thought, okay, she's angry at me um, because maybe Janera had said something to her and I needed to smooth it over. So I went over there with the intent of talking to Meredith. That was my intent. So I didn't think there was any imminent danger um, and, and no need for to call the authorities. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what I read was, uh, again, Janair uh, took the life of Meredith and then, and then her own life. She did. And um, yeah, the minute, according to the police and what everyone suspects is the minute Meredith walked into the house, um, Janair was laying in wait around the corner and um, she didn't even see it coming. So she died instantly. And then um, moments later, she shot herself. Were there any warning signs? Were there, was there anything that, that happened or that came up in your conversations that would have given you any? Nothing. I mean, the, uh, to even talk about it is surreal today because I have to remind myself that it actually did happen. Um, I, look, she was distraught and, and everybody would tell you, anybody who's going through a divorce um, or in the cusp of going through a divorce, there, there's emotions involved. And she yes, at times she was distraught and we would talk. Um, she would be angry, she would be sad, she would cry. Those are expected reactions. And then we would have, again, like I said, a dinner, an amicable, we would talk about finances and what we're going to do. Um, we had an agreement that she and I were gonna to stay together and live together in Delaware throughout May. Um, and that was the plan. So she had an entirely different plan that she didn't share with me or she spontaneously decided today's the day. And in my research, uh, I found that she had purchased uh, a weapon, uh, what, about 30 days prior? 
A little, yeah, a little more than 30 days prior. And then actually did some training. Training. Yeah, my, multiple times I'd gone to the shooting range to hone her skill. And you have to understand, my wife was the last person who would own a gun. And, and again, so I, I just couldn't believe it when the police told me there was a gun involved and that she had shot herself and Meredith. It was shocking. And actually, uh, did I see that she was really for uh, gun control? Absolutely. She, she believed in that. And gun control. She was an animal rights person. She's a women's rights person and, and a very passionate person um, about all those and, and other topics. Um, she would have been the last person to, to, to buy, let alone use a gun. Mm -hmm. You know, and in the news, when, when there are shootings, so let's say shootings at schools and, and things, when this topic comes up, Again, it's always easy to second guess, you know, why, why didn't they know, you know, and right. it, whereas in this situation, no one would have ever suspected, no. right? No, I mean, again, she was living um, a, a double life. She was living this other part of her life and, and um, keeping things from me. I just, there was no way of knowing without, you know, everybody wants to second guess. I'm second guessing how, what could I have done differently? How could I have known without just infiltrating her entire banking system and, and everything that she had kept private in her email and, and, and text. That I'm, and I'm not sure that would have even done it. Um, mm. yeah, there was just no way that she just kept it completely separate from me. And again, our intent here, we, 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 we obviously uh, don't want to do anything to upset both families. You know, so we totally respect that and uh, just trying to talk about some of these uh, issues sure. and really want to get to um, to you and and one could only imagine what that day must have been like for you and all the emotion that uh, that, that must have been happening at that time. Um, at the same time, were you pulled in for questioning? Of course, I think it was a natural thing. I expected it. I didn't expect it to, to last as long as it did or to be as painful and lonely. Um, I, was, I was brought in for questioning um, for close to seven hours into the wee hours of the morning um, the next day um, before I was released. Um, you know, I, I gave my um, phone, I gave everything, I told them um, everything I knew, um, but it, as it turns out, I guess they couldn't find the weapon. Um, I found out later, which was part of the delay. Um, my wife, when when she ended her life, um, she fell on the gun, and so until they removed them from the house, they they couldn't find the gun. So I see. That was, was part, part of, of the it. reason. Sure. Yeah. Mark, what's it like to be in that position? It's something I wouldn't wish on anybody, um, and I hope it never happens again. It's it will, and unfortunately, it will happen again. Murder suicide is, as I've learned, is um, it's more common than you think. It's not as common with um, with females, is my understanding. Um, it's 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 surreal still to this day. And again, we're talking 15 months after it happened now, um, and it's been. A roller coaster of emotions. Um, between now and then, there are some days that are better than others, and there are days, hours that I am brought right back to that moment um, to, to to relive it. So I'm 
certainly not comfortable, but I understand, and I'm t um, I just know that it's it's never going to leave me, and it'll be part of my story and part of who I am for the rest of my life. So I'm learning to cope with um, the shock and the pain um, that I've been through. Yeah. Could we talk about Meredith a little bit? Sure. So, did you? What were the conversations like with her as you were going through your your separation and, and after you admitted uh, what was occurring? Was she at all concerned, or were those I mean, she was topics discussed? And, and, and most of her concern was for me, and I'm sorry you're going through this. But she was going through the same thing. She, she and her husband were divorcing um, as well, and we were kind of going through it together and commiserating about each other's situation. Um, you know, there were there were incidents where Janair would, you know, in some ways stalk her. She would, you know, try to reach out on social media and trying to connect with her. Um, in one one instance, you know, there was a confrontation, a physical confrontation, um, in a restaurant bar, and um, you know, Meredith Meredith's reaction was more of of um, anger than it was fear. Um, and and um, again, if there was any amount of worry, it was for me and having to get out of the situation because. Um, it just wasn't good for anybody. But there was a, what we thought was a means to an end. There was a date uh, where Janair and I um, were not going to live together anymore and we were going to file a petition for divorce and so that's what we were all aiming for at the time. And, you know, it, was, it was stressful for all of us. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say Meredith was fearful as much as she was just angry and, and um, upset by the situation that we were all going through. What are some of the feelings that you could express as far as the various emotions that, that you've been going through? Is there, is there guilt? Is there shame? Is there embarrassment? Is there, I'm just trying to put myself there to say, I could just see the roller coaster of, of, of emotion right. and responsibility. It's all the above and, and, and probably 12 other emotions that I'm constantly going through, but I would say that the, the boulder, as I explain it um, to some people, that it, it, the boulder is, is, is the guilt that I feel for having hurt my wife, literally. That's where it, it lies right now, for having the pain that she must have been going through to do. Um, she thought there was no tomorrow and that it wasn't worth living for. Um, you know, we were married for 24 years and I I loved her dearly, and it sounds like a strange thing to say, but I, I still love her, and I am so sorry for having hurt her. Um, I would say I have great regret about the loss of life as, as well, and, and um, but I, there are so many signs that I, um, parents, family, but more importantly, um, healthcare professionals, mental health professionals missed. We had a family therapist. Um, Janera saw her own um, therapist as well as a psychiatrist. She was so good at covering up the life that she was living and what she was thinking. Um, she, we, we all missed it. We all missed all the signs. Um, it's it's regretful. And it's it's awful. But I wish I could change it and take it back. But I I can't. And what about the families? Have you had any contact uh, with, with, with either family, and, and what is, if so, what has that been like? I have. I mean, I, I, 
I, I've had a great relationship with, with Janera's parents for, for 20 some 20 some years. And, um, you know, I, they were the first call I made when I actually got to a phone. Um, and then, you know, we've seen each other a couple times um, for, you know, to pick up her generous belongings and, and, and shared a lot of her, her personal belongings with them. Um, but I understand it's it's very sensitive and, and talking to me is, is, is a painful reminder of, of what happened. So I've, I've given them distance, uh, which I suspect they need and want. Um, but, um, you know, and, and I hadn't, I didn't know Meredith's family. I really didn't have a chance to get to know them. Um, her mother reached out to me um, a few months after, um, and we've spoken several times. Um, her sister um, reached out to me as well, and we spoke at least one time uh, in person. And so I have the utmost sympathy for for them, for both set of parents um, and families. And um, they're going through, we're all going through this together, um, as well as Meredith's friends and Janair's friends, which were all um, equally shocked and, and saddened by it all. Yeah, and oftentimes, you know, in these type of situations, it's, it's I guess, easy to point blame, you know, and, and instead of having the compassion for all those that were not directly involved um, or indirectly involved. Mm -hmm. I know uh, a friend of mine, who actually went through a, a severe injury, a hockey injury. And he said the pain was so bad, you know, that, and he didn't, he didn't tell anyone, you know, only a couple of very close hmm. people to him that the pain was so bad that he, you know, he wanted to take his own life. And he says, until you're there, you know, whether it's mental illness or an injury like that, and um, it, it's, it's hard to express, he said, to anyone, you know, when, when you're actually going through it. So whatever pain, you know, Janair was, was going through, um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's difficult, I think, from people on the outside to even wrap their arms around, including yourself, sure. how something, you know, like this can actually take place. I certainly didn't know it then. I didn't know what she was going through and the pain she was in, but believe me, I've, I've felt it since. Um, the, the, the desperation for the not wanting to live for another day. I know what it feels like now to have gone, gone through such a traumatic experience um, myself um, and wished for relief. And I, I understand it. Um, yeah. How do we help people that are having these feelings? How do we help people that feel there's no way out, there's no other way? Well, the, 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 probably one of the saddest things in this particular case was that Janair had really isolated herself um, for many, many years. She, she said at one time, I don't need friends, I don't have time for friends, I'm not a very good friend. Um, and so she kind of pulled in and she really just wanted it to be about she, her and I. With the exception of, of one friend and some mutual friends that she reached out to during her darkest days, um, she was just isolated. Now, having gone through the trauma that I've gone through, um, I couldn't imagine having gone through it without friends and family and the people that um, were in my you know, closest circle of friends, but also the people that I've met since then that have been 
so compassionate about my plight and um, the feelings and things that I'm going through. So again, I think what we can do to answer your original question is, is you've, you've got to have a network of friends, of people, and just let them know. Um, unfortunately, Janair did talk to a mutual friend, and that mutual friend sensed there was something wrong, and she asked her, do you have a gun? And um, she said no, but she did. She already had the gun by then. So it's, you know, she didn't want anybody to know. It was a, her own private world of pain that she was she was hiding in and didn't want to show that to anybody. So the warning signs sometimes may be there. They may be They're there. there but, if, I mean, again, and I think Janair just presented it herself as so normal so often. It was hard to discern. Um, you know, we all have bad days and, and, and good days. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that Janair suffered from depression um, for some time. Now, I can't, I'm not a medical professional or a mental health professional, but I know from, she suffered from Hashimoto's disease, and one of the um, symptoms of Hashimoto's is depression, and often the medication that they're given, um, it doesn't really help the depression part of it. So she'd been suffering from depression for gosh, probably five years. She said, as she would often tell me, she's in, you know, um, a functioning depressed person. Um, Which I think is very common. It is, and so, you know, I didn't sound the alarm bells, and I just thought, okay, she's suffering through this. She's under, she's under um, super, medical supervision, and she's got it under control. Um, but then, you know, some things happened in her life. She, you know, lost a job and, and was having trouble finding another job, so that depression kind of took another level. Um, and as I look back um, to our 24 years together, there were, I didn't see them as signs. I've normalized everything um, that had happened in our past. There were there were some, some incidents and I look back and people, as I tell them, they'll say, that was a sign. You should have known because of this. Soon after um, the tragedy, there was a coworker and friend of, of Janaris who, who reached out to me and said, the minute I met Janair, I knew she was a troubled soul. And that just took me back that someone from 15, 20 years ago sensed something was, was off. And, you know, certainly we had our share of arguments and, you know, she had her, um, her weaknesses and her problems. I had mine as well. We all do. Um, but as I look back at it and people hear me talk about some of those, um, those are some early signs of not just what she eventually went through, but early signs of trouble um, and, and conditions that she may have suffered through. Again, there are a number of people I've spoken to and shared um, some of the stories um, from our past, and, and they've indicated it seems she had signs of um, borderline personality disorder. Um, people call it BPD. Um, and again, I'm not here to diagnose her, but the more I read about that, um, it's shocking actually how similar some of her um, signs were to, to borderline personality disorder. But, and again, just to be clear, there was no medical diagnosis. There, there was, this is no. just, you're, you're saying based on the- In hindsight. Right, the there signs. Are, there, are, there, are, there are nine signs and you can check off, you can check off five of them, then more than likely someone is on the spectrum of the BPD. Um, and, you know, depending on who you're asking, she could check off five and she could check off nine so for some people. Mm -hmm. So, more than likely, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced based on other people's input, and, and not just friends. I'm talking um, 
in my own therapist, um, there are, again, a clear signs that there's something that wasn't quite right from the very early on. Yeah. How much therapy have you gone through? Yeah, I've, I've not stopped. Uh, you know, I, I saw someone four days after. Um, they, they, made, they made accommodations for me to get in almost an emergency um, session, and I've been in therapy ever since, and I can't imagine um, where I'd be without it. So talking about it is something that um, helps. And for people that say, I, I, don't, I don't need therapy. You know. I, I, everybody should have a therapist. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Janera, unfortunately, she didn't have the patience for it. She said all they want to do is talk. And that's just not what she wanted to do. And I, I think, again, fr from an early on, um, she, she absolutely, and I, we both would have benefited from, from seeing a therapist. Um, we had... Um, instances where we would see a family therapist uh, about our marriage and, and those were, you know, I think very, very helpful. Um, but as an individual, I think, you know, trying to figure out the world by yourself without someone to just talk to and just let them know everything is um, something everybody needs. Yeah. Mark, you talked about your support system and how important that's been to you. Um, has there been instances of people that have not wanted to support you were there friends that distanced themselves or how does that you know, or or did yeah, you see the people that sure. needed to be closest to you stepped up and, and were there for you they did I, again i, I the, my best friends and probably a circle of five eight that i reached out to especially in the early days and i was just on the phone with them every day and they would check in with me every day to make sure i was okay and, and i again don't know where i'd be without those people and then the number of people i've I've met since um, I've just been here. And, and I, I moved to a new city, took a new job, and didn't know anybody. And so that people would take an interest and um, in my story and uh, be there for me when my friends and family are far away. Um, it, it's just been invaluable to have that. But um, unfortunately, there were friends, um, mutual friends that Meredith and I had, and. Um, you know they they've kind of distanced themselves, um, which was which was painful to, because I really I reached out to them um, the day after and I, there was a cease and desist order from the University of Delaware Police to stop contacting employees, so that was you know very um, it, it was very painful to have to feel I was being ostracized from friends um, that Meredith and I both valued mm -hmm. but I understand did you have to try to take the emotion out of those reactions just to say no, everybody is everybody is dealing with this in their own way yes and, and um, it's painful for everybody so I get it um, I do mm -hmm. I, 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 nothing against any of them right what about professionally have you moved on are you are you working are you back into yeah. a routine I wouldn't say it's routine, I, right or wrong. Um, my fear of not being around people and being alone was, was so great that I made the decision to go back to work um, seven days after the tragedy. I just needed to be around people. Um, you know, I did the best job I could do. I, I suffered through it as, as much as I could. But um, eventually, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore, and I, I decided to take a leave. 
um, to to work on my mental health. And part of that was to to journal. I, w I was just journaling every day. Again, as much as there were people around me, I also felt I was being quite a burden on them. And so, um, journaling and writing every day, five six hours a day, became my new job and just getting it out of my system um, to the point where I, I shared it with my therapist, uh, my journal, and he just kind of stopped, shook his head and he, he, he made a, a suggestion that I actually pursue turning this into a book. Not everybody is going to go through what I've been through, um, but all the pieces and parts added together, um, it could be very helpful for someone to hear what I'm going through. Um, and so I wasn't quite sure I wanted to do that, but I uh, know I just kept writing and writing and then pretty soon I had a very loose manuscript and again shared that with people and they thought it was very powerful and um, um, that it could in fact help a lot of people because it, again, hopefully nobody experiences what I've experienced, but I think I touch on so many topics in the book. Um, about mental health and about you know the troubles that Janera and I have been going through, um, but I think people will find a lot of their own lives in, in this book as well. So have you taken it to that next level where you're actually going through the process? I'm. Or are you I'm, still deciding? I'm considering it. Okay. I'm considering it. I've been talking to um, a few literary agents, and I have a, a, a writing coach who's kind of walking me through the whole process and the publishing process. And I'm very sensitive who picks it up um, and, and that they're, again, sensitive to the topics and sensitive to um, mental illness and, and gun control and some of the topics that are actually in this, this book, not just anyone um, I think is right for this book. And, 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 and you know, I think rightly so, literary agents, not all of them want to get involved in something of this magnitude of this, this, this genre. So it's, it's a slow process, I'm in no hurry, and in the end it may not be published at all, and I'm okay with that. But I, it was about the cathartic process of yeah. me actually writing it that helped. And again, I've shared it with a circle of friends, um, and they, they can see their own lives. They can see their own um, troubles in some of the things that I'm writing about, and it's already you know, helping some people. No, and I'm glad you just brought that up, because this might be a good time to talk about that and that we all have that dark side right sure we all it's just part of human nature and to deny it I think is not good either mm -hmm. um, now so I think everyone's at a different place you know in, in here but you know they talk about the, the the monkey mind you know that constantly sure. is there you mm -hmm. know and 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 um, it is, I think it is very uh, good that, that you're writing this for yourself, uh, I would think would be very therapeutic, sure. um, but more than that, to help others uh, that, that may not know what to do, who, you know, maybe they're, they're reading it and it may help them or someone close to them. Um, do, you, do you agree? I do agree, and I, I want to be clear that it's, it's not a self-help book. Um, there, there are, I'm not a healthcare professional, a mental health care professional, and so you know, there's, there's, it's going to help people, I think, to read the story, to think, that's like me, or worst case scenario, something this tragic could happen to me if I don't get someone help or if I don't see the signs. Um, I think that especially is, is one way it can, it can definitely help people. Yeah. Earlier when I asked you about your, your career. I was thinking about focus, 
how hard it must be to focus on anything. It is, and again, I, what I, where I found my focus was was writing and, and pouring myself into there. I'm not a, a writer by profession. I'm a creative director, and part of that is writing. Um, but I just found a that was my passion, but it's also where my focus was, and had such a drive to to power through it and get it done. Um, I did lose a lot of the passion for what I normally do. Uh, I think that's slowly starting to come back, and um, you know I'm in a journey uh, right now, and I think eventually on the other side of this, um, I'll find that passion again. Yeah. Early on, you mentioned there's been a lot of misrepresentations of the story just because of how fast it came out. Sure. Is there anything you want to say? I mean, what is there anything you want to talk about that? That you haven't been able to. to well, I voice. think again. I think what what is also the book captures is is the length of time in the story, um, the, the way the story was told. I know it, it's what news it, they they have so long to get it done, um, but it was. I think the way it was characterized is there was a salacious affair. The wife found out about it and ran up to Pennsylvania and killed her and then killed herself. End of story. That's it. There's, a There's lot more than that. so much of the story and so many nuances. Um, to the story that, again, I think there's just so much to learn from and, and understand versus just making a quick snap judgment. And unfortunately, that worked against a lot of people putting it at the news um, the way it came out. You know, I was attacked on social media. Both Janair and, and Meredith were attacked on social media. And it just brought out the a lot of ugliness in, in, in people, and there were, no, there were also a fair amount of people that were sympathetic, and it was, it was you know, nice to hear those, those thoughts as well. Um, but now, you know, I, at least now, with this, this story and, and the book, people will understand the full breadth of the story, and if they still want to pass judgment, I'm not going to stop them, at least they'll know um, the truth. Mm -hmm. Mark, let's talk about breakups and divorce. Uh, obviously, with Different situations, they happen all different ways. Right. I mean, I've seen marriages that have lasted two months and, you know, 20, 30 years where, where people go through these separations, breakups, sure. divorces. Well, one of the things um, I look back at, it's in, in how our divorce had started. In our society, I think divorce has become so normalized. We see it, you know, celebrities are getting divorced, they're having. Um, Conscious decouplings, and it, you know, it, I knew I grew up with several people as a child um, who who had gone through their their parents had gone through a divorce, and so I just expected it to be something that we'll go through and we'll get through, not understanding the trauma um, that a divorce can bring upon somebody to the degree that it did to Janera and others. Now, I think we've all had breakups in our lives and we've had our hearts broken and, and know that feeling, but some people, and I'm not sure what the common denominator is, some people just take it better than others. Um, and I'm not just in divorce, but just in breakups in general. I had a friend who um, just three months after this tragedy um, was going through his own breakup with a girlfriend he had been seeing for, gosh, over three years. And they had gotten to a point where it was just more bad days than good. And he finally just said, this is this has got to end, and and um, and she seemed to have handled it pretty well at first, and then a week later showed up on his doorstep, and when he opened the door, she unleashed a verbal and physical attack on him, 
punching him, scratching him, and leaving marks everywhere, and she was not about to leave. This was a professional woman, and he would have never expected something like that to happen. Eventually had to call the police and have her extricated from the, the property in fear for his own life, his daughter's life. Um, and he asked me, you know, what do I do? Because he know, obviously knew that it, it was not exactly the same, but, you know, he wanted some, some recommendations. And I just said, get her help, get her help because she's not in a good place and anything could happen. You could get hurt. She could hurt herself. It's, it's the thing I wish someone could have stopped and told me, get her help because that's what it, what she needs. And so I'm sounding the alarm bells um, about people that are going through breakups. Um, you've got to take care of the people that we love, but more importantly, the people that we hurt and see that they're okay. And um, if there's one lesson learned in this whole thing, I think that would be it. And, um, and that's, it, it's in the book. It's one of the reasons, it's one of the stories and themes in the book um, that keeps coming up again to just people aren't, people have different breaking points. Um, we all do. And we're all capable of doing some, some awful things if, if they're put to the edge. And um, so I think, again, it's one of those things that are, that are common. There are, there's violence, unfortunately, when, when people break up and, and divorces happen. Um, so I think there's, there's a great lesson to be learned there. Do you see yourself, you, you, you mentioned, you know, this is something you want to sound the alarm bells yeah. about. Do you see yourself uh, being an advocate, really, to, to try to help people as, as time goes on? I do. I, you know, I've, one of the things with the book, especially, you know, people are going to say he's doing this for, for fame and fortune. There's, there's no intent to make any money on this book. If there's proceeds from the book, it is all going to be directed toward, you know, suicide prevention um, and organization. So, you know, I'm starting to conti continuing to write. As the book is finished now, I'm continuing to write. I'm writing blogs. I'm writing um, some educational pieces and associating myself with um, organizations involved with suicide and sharing my knowledge, my my story with them. And uh, again, I don't want to be the poster child um, or the leading voice, certainly, in, in because I think there's so many better voices out there. Um, but I think, like I've said, my story um, can help others. I'll continue to share it. And, and, and certainly the lessons that I've learned around mental health, especially. Yeah. Mark, you've been very gracious for sitting down with us. Uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, but sure, before I let you go, uh, just one last question, and just would like to know what's next. What's next for you? How do you move on from here? Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know I'm not from this area. I'm, we're in we're in rural Pennsylvania, uh, outside of Philadelphia right now, and this is not my home. It has become my second home because of the friends and people um, that I've met here, and it's, so it's become my surrogate home. And, and I've seen some really dark days here and experienced some really good days here around friends and helping um, me to get through this. And it's this whole, this whole journey, um, it, it happens in phases and I've, I can feel the growth that has happened just in 15 months. But I also have this, this, this feeling inside me that I've done growing here and it's time to move on to somewhere else. Um, and so, you know, I, I've literally sold or given away everything that I, that I own and 
I am going to make a fresh start. I am driving across the country um, on a journey of uh, that I've never taken before and just taking my time um, to think about what's next. So the answer to your question, I don't know. It's kind of the great unknown, um, but I know it's not here and it has to be somewhere else and it has to be doing something else. So I'm really looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to not knowing what I'm going to do yet. It's a strange answer to your question. Um, but life is, life is a journey. I never would have expected my life would have taken this tragic turn. Um, but we kind of move on. Um, again, there are days where I don't want to get up. There are days that I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but, um, we have a responsibility, um, to fulfill our lives and to find the perseverance to move on and to keep moving. And that's what I intend to do. Mark Gerardo, appreciate you sitting down with us. Thank, Thank you, you and best of luck uh, in everything you do. Thank you, appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me and podcast your passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information.